Our New Testament reading this morning is from Acts chapter 4, verse 32, through chapter 5, verse 11. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it all at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with the consent of his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back some of the proceeds and brought only a part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, were not the proceeds at your disposal? How is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to us, but to God. Now when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard of it. The young men came and wrapped up his body, then carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said to her, "'Tell me whether you and your husband sold the land for such and such a price.' And she said, yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to put the spirit of the Lord to the test? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and died. When the young man came in, they found her dead. So they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard of these things. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel reading is from Matthew 19, verses 16 through 26. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Then someone came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, also you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, I have kept all these, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astounded and said, Then who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals, it is impossible, but for God, all things are possible. 
This is the gospel of the Lord. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this time that we can be together and gather before you. Some of us have been longing for this time all week, and some of us kind of can't believe that we made it here this morning. In whatever way we come to you today, easily, hopefully, peacefully, or doubtingly, shamefully, angrily, remind us that we are welcome here in your presence. And we are welcome to be a part of this gathering of your people. Purify our hearts as we go to your word. May every word said here, every thought, motive, and intention be pleasing in your sight. And may your word refresh our souls, give joy to our hearts, and light to our eyes. Speak to us new things, things of old, and remind us of our story and who you are creating us to be. In your name, amen. So this past week didn't go exactly as I had hoped or planned. I was scheduled to board a flight from Philly to Grand Rapids for a wedding that I was going to be in. And I was so proud of myself because I had all the logistics set in place. I had meetings scheduled for when I was back home. I had rides scheduled. Everything was figured out as it needed to be. And then I got to the airport and my flight was delayed. Okay, that's fine. But it was delayed again and then again and then again. And finally, eight hours later, like 9 p.m. at night, they canceled my flight and um, sent us home. I went to rebook my flight, but found out that through the airline there weren't going to be any other flights to anywhere near where I needed to be until after the wedding. So I immediately called my host family at the airport, the people I'm staying with here in Philly, in tears, asking, what do I do? Um, they spoke calmly to me and encouraged me to just get an Uber home, and while I was heading back, they'd be looking for other flights. At this point, my independence was shattered. I felt like a little child asking for help and comfort, but it felt nice to know that someone else was looking out for me and helping me make the decisions. Then I figured for the next half hour I was, as I was going home, I would just kind of sit in silence worrying about the logistics that I needed to figure out for the next day. Um, but instead I bonded with a kind man from Tennessee at the Uber stop who also had his flight canceled. And then my Uber driver was really talkative and um, asked me questions about myself and told me about his treadmill building business that he does. And um, so it was just nice to rely even on strangers for a moment for company in a time of stress. I got up really early the next morning, decided to make the drive 12 hours to Michigan because that was really my only choice at this point to get there on time. Finally, I could be independent again, but my asking for help wasn't over. I had to ask if I could show up late to a couple of the wedding events because I was so exhausted from the 12-hour drive and I needed a little more rest. And I needed to ask a friend to pick up my bridesmaid dress because the logistics that I had planned to pick that up from getting hemmed fell through. 
And then I had to ask someone to drive me around part of the week because once I got to Michigan, my car started making weird noises and needed to bring it into the shop. And on my way back to Philly, I asked some friends if I could stay with them for a night because I didn't feel like I could do the drive in a day again. So much reliance last week. And I'm pretty sure that it's not just me that probably feels anxious when put in situations where I need people. We'll return to the saga of my reliance in just a bit, but I want to turn our attention back to the story of Ananias and Sapphira. In our passage today, we heard another story of reliance, about a community who leaned on one another in all things whose lifestyle in the spirit included mutual giving giving and receiving. I have three things that I want to point out to us today from this story. The first is that we begin with an overarching image of what God is doing. Not just in this moment with Ananias and Sapphira, but in the entire story of Acts, in the lives of God's people. And it's that God wants to invite them into an expansive lifestyle. We can't begin to talk about generosity and how God wants to work within our finances and material blessings without first seeing this greater picture, that God is offering an expansive life. God wants to bring his people beyond what they think is possible. So I think it's fitting today that our passage is bookended with two stories of prison doors being opened. In the midst of discouragement and closed minds and closed hearts, God is calling his people out of fear thinking and into freedom thinking. So before our passage today, we're told that And before we're told that the believers share their possessions, before we get to hear about how the believers are unified in heart and soul, before we're welcomed into a story of generosity, we hear in Acts 4 that Peter and John were put in prison. They had been teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus there is the resurrection of the dead. Peter and John were preaching resurrection This means inviting those around them to take up this new way of thinking, as we've called it, that Jesus was with them, that they were made one with God, that they were made new by God. And people were listening. Many of those who heard Peter and John speaking believed. We're shown here that the church is expanding. The church is growing. The people of God are experiencing freedom in a way that they haven't before. But Peter and John's words don't please everyone. The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees were annoyed, Scripture says. So they arrested them and put them in custody. But among these closed minds and hearts, after discussions and trials and threats against Peter and John, they are unexpectedly let go. They are released. And all along, they never stop preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God was making a way for them where there really shouldn't have been. Then immediately after our passage, we're met with another story of the apostles being arrested again. The apostles were performing signs and wonders and miracles. 
the high priest became jealous, so he arrested them and put them in prison. You see, the apostles are not living according to the Roman Empire agenda. They're not living according to the present religious expectations. They're not living for the approval of humans. And this kind of living lands them in prison. But God doesn't leave it there. We're told during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out and said, go, stand in the temple and tell the people the whole message about this life. This new way of living, this new way of thinking, this life with God. God wants to open doors that are meant to be iron hard and locked shut. I know that the story of Ananias and Sapphira can seem really harsh. I don't know about you, but it felt kind of weird to say thanks be to God after hearing about, after ending immediately with death. But I want to suggest that even in this story, God is not shutting us down. God is not holding us hostage or even shaming us into holding our possessions loosely. Because God wants to expand our lives by inviting us into community. We've spoken often this summer about acts as this revolution of the intimate, the spirit becoming one with us. God wants us to open ourselves up to vulnerability and intimacy by offering our resources in ourselves. So now I want to show us or invite us into an on-the-ground moment, an example of where God is inviting us into community as we look at the specific story of Ananias and Sapphira. We're told that something in us dies if we don't open ourselves up in this way, if we don't rely on community. So, the early believers were one in mind, one in heart and soul. There was not a needy person among them, and they brought their possessions and placed them before the apostles' feet so that they could be used for God's people. The early church was characterized by this unity and generosity. But, here comes the but. But there was a man named Ananias and a woman named Sapphira, a couple, perhaps highly esteemed and well-known within their church community, they would have been expected to participate and contribute in the life of the church. I think sometimes it's easy to read Acts and have this idealized view of the early church. We think, wow, they really had it all together. And while I think we're given an image here of, yes, the beauty of the early church, we're also given a realistic story. Even the early church, with all of its generosity and hope and healing, didn't have everything perfectly right. And we can see ourselves in this story. Perhaps Ananias and Sapphira had good reason to keep their money hidden. The Jewish people have just had their world flipped on its head with the coming and going of Jesus Christ. And many commentators note that Israel was now encountering a time of great persecution. We just talked about how the apostles were thrown in prison twice because of their faith. To not submit to the Roman Empire, to continue down a path different from the masses of citizens that the Christians were living alongside would be a dangerous act. 
Ananias and Sapphira were probably afraid what would happen to them if they gave up control of their assets. Or maybe, as a couple, they were dealing with other more personal questions. Maybe they were hoping to start a family, and who knows what kind of finances that would um, require. What if they needed money for an unexpected repair or unexpected travel? I would know something about that. Things come up that we aren't going to expect, so of course we don't want to share everything that we own with others. I don't think that this passage is shaming us into giving up everything we own. I actually think this passage is inviting us into a lifestyle of generosity that is far more expansive than that. I want to suggest here that what went wrong was that Ananias and Sapphira lost the vision for who they are. They lost the vision for who they belong to. In Israelite culture, giving someone a name was really significant. Names often represented a characteristic of a person, something about them. The name Ananias means to whom God has graciously given. Ananias was a man who was given much and who was given as a gift to God's people. The name Sapphira is where we get the word sapphire or the word beautiful. Sapphira was poured into, was given gifts so that she could pour out and share her gifts. Each one of us is a beloved treasure of God receiving God's gifts and also being given in love to our community. The death here of Ananias and Sapphira symbolizes more than just a punishment or a judgment on them. Death was a state of their hearts when they denied who they were. When their calling to be unified to the body of Christ was no longer their priority anymore. Instead, they decided to pull significantly inward to turn away from God and to not include the Holy Spirit in their decision-making, to not include their community. And by denying and deceiving their community, Ananias and Sapphira chose the opposite of intimacy. They chose to create this barrier to turn away from vulnerability and from relying on others. I think that this is what it comes down to if we're honest with ourselves. I think we like the idea of God and we like the idea of God's generosity, that God calls us to be people of generosity. We like to talk and hear about God. We like to talk about how God is with us and in us and working through us, but how many of us actually listen to the Spirit when the Spirit asks us to reach out a hand? to turn from ourselves and towards the other, to do a brave act of generosity or to even allow someone to help us. How many of us make ourselves vulnerable enough to be touched by God? To be touched by the Spirit or to even reach out our hand and touch God? The deaths of Ananias and Sapphira almost signify this devastation of what happens when we choose to live outside of the spirit. Life separated from God, focused only on ourselves. What might it have looked like if Ananias and Sapphira paused 
to pray and invite Christ in, into their decision-making process. Christ does not expect us to automatically be able to live this life of expansiveness and generosity. When Peter and Paul were released from prison, they gathered with fellow Christians, or Peter and John, they gathered with fellow Christians and prayed for boldness. They asked for boldness because that doesn't come from themselves. It's something that they rely on God for. It's the same with generosity. So finally, I want to remind us that because Christ is generous with us, that is how we can be generous with others. So what if we step back for a moment and reimagine this moment with Ananias and Sapphira? What might Christ be inviting them to as they cling tightly to the things that seem to matter the most to them, to their possessions, to their safety, their dreams? It's pretty clear that there's already a fear of death here, a fear of death inside of them, perhaps the death of a dream, the death of reputation, of security, of happiness. I want to position us into another scene from scripture, bring us back to a beautifully intimate moment when Christ appears to the disciples after his resurrection. He stands among them in a room. Thomas, the one we all call a doubter among them, and Christ says, as maybe he would say to Ananias and Sapphira, in the midst of their fears, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Maybe, why do you not trust the spirit with your materials, with your heart, with your identity? Where greed and materialism leave us in places of death and despair, all along Christ is saying, look at my hands and my feet. Touch and see me. I am here. I am alive. And so while in their joy, the disciples were still disbelieving and wondering, and Christ said, have you anything here to eat? Christ is saying, essentially, see that I am with you. I am the resurrection. I am making all things new. Christ gave everything for us so that we might also give. So do you have anything to eat? What do you have to give to me? Remember when Christ said, for I was hungry and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. We are children of resurrection, joining in the resurrection work that Christ is working out in this world. And so living with the spirit of God is deeply integrated with the material and physical pieces of our existence. Yes, God gives us gifts of empathy and compassion and gentleness and healing. But also, as Willie James Jennings says, God is on the ground. The spirit joining us in time, sharing in our spaces, and partaking in the places we inhabit as places fit for ministry. Finances, marriage, flesh, law, the agenda of the world that we live in, to be individuals and to live for ourselves, to not rely on other people, and to focus on our own happiness. 
that agenda dies in the body of the disciple who has joined her or his body to the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. We are children of resurrection. So last week was one of those weeks for me when I learned how hard it can be to ask for help, to press into community. But I also learned how life-giving it is to rely on others in a moment of need. My host family helped ease the burden of bigger decisions and plans that I had to make by giving me advice and helping me make plans for the next day for my travels. I made myself vulnerable by asking for a place to stay on my road trip back and was met with a hug in the driveway, ice cream before bed, and laughter and conversation that night. How are your relationships reflecting your name as children of resurrection? What kinds of decisions are you trying to make on your own that you could invite others into, that you could invite the Holy Spirit into? And how also is God calling you to show up as someone who's reliable? We all have needs and we're in a community of giving and receiving. How are you being invited to turn an individualistic striving into a faith-filled, freedom-seeking reliance on others and on God? Ananias and Sapphira are not the only ones in this story. We're also told about a man named Barnabas. Barnabas sells his field and lays his money at the apostles' feet. Barnabas, in the power of the Spirit, gives what he has to his community in the power of the Spirit, not on his own. We pray for boldness to do so, as the early Christians did as well. We live in the power of the Spirit, who calls us out of fear thinking and into freedom thinking, who calls us to invest in and rely on our community, and who calls us to know that it's because of Jesus that we can live boldly and generously. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.